Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. You know, Pastor Mark's been such an asset to this meeting. He's always an asset to me, him and him and Donna both. But you know, he just really got some things on the ball, so to speak. His current, you know, it's now moment. Yeah, he just blesses me. I get all anointed and everything. The music's been great. And Pastor Mark's been great. And I don't have a very great voice, but I, I sing along with him. <laughs> Thank you so much for your encouragement. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we'll, we'll say some things maybe we hadn't said yet, but we got plenty to say. And I think tonight maybe I'm going to just, um, I may just lay my hands on everybody that wants to be refreshed. And you may get healed in the, in the midst of it, or you may get delivered. Same anointing that'll refresh you will heal you. Same anointing that'll set you free will encourage you. So we're just talking here. Don't let all these papers get you all flustered. We're not going to be here all night and all day. But I did want to spend some time. First of all, let's go to Mark chapter 16. Look at a verse here. We're talking again about angels tonight. And because we need to talk about them. This is my opinion. I don't know everything. I've sure been a lot of places in the earth already. And there's a lot I haven't been to. But anyway, I just think that the Lord is waiting on us. Like the title of my book on angels, they're waiting on us. Angels on earth are waiting on us. And that's the angels that I'm talking to you about. I'm going to prove tonight from the scriptures. There's a, a lot of scriptures that indicate a large contingency of angels in the planet, in earth. I'm not so much concerned about heaven. I don't live there yet. I operate out of that realm because we're seated with Christ. <laughs> and I think I told you a little bit. I don't know if I finished telling you. I had a little vision of Jesus. I saw his head in a chair. This, a single chair and his head was looking towards me and he says, what's wrong with this picture, Michael? And I said, where's your body? Now, see, I've been teaching we're seated with him for 35, 40 years now. But just saying that, I was in the back of my mind trying to figure out how do we all get to sit with him? And he said, he, he said, when I, he said what's wrong with this picture? I said, well, where's your body? And you, he said to me, you and all the believers in the earth are my body. And then he made this comment. If you just consider every believer a cell of my body, you're all sitting with me. Yeah. You know, there's trillions of cells in your body. I don't, I'm not a medical person. I don't know the total number for that. But we can all fit in there. I, I kept thinking I'm not seated beside him. I'm not seated under him. Not that I'm being proud. He's the one that elevated us to sit with him. That's his call, not my call. You listening to me? Yep. So you need to see yourself in the seat with him. And it wasn't some macabre thing. I, I explain that to people because people can interpret anything however you want to interpret it. I'm not a kook and I'm not a nut. So we, we may talk about some of the visions we had. I just threw that in. That was a recent vision. I would say three or four or five months ago. And it only took about 30 seconds. And then it was gone. But he just helped prove what I already knew. We were seated with him. So that's important to know. So let's look here at Mark chapter 16 and uh, let's look at verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and tonight working with me and confirming the word with signs following. Whatever we preach about is what Jesus will confirm. So if I was teaching about marriage, I would teach you about what it means to be a real man, what it means to be a real woman. Uh, what it means to be a, a younger person or whatever. He puts you in there too and all, all the people. But I'm not teaching on that. I'm teaching on angels. So angels are here with us. I'm going to prove that in just a minute too from your own Bible. They go to church with us. I don't know if you ever see them or not. I don't always see them. I just know they're there. I believe the Bible. Yeah. I've had a lot of visions and sometimes I don't share them. I'll take too long, but I share them predominant ones, and I might share a few tonight. We'll see. But this is what I wanted to show you. Whatever you preach, He will confirm it if it's the Word. Yes. So we teach about angels. So what do you think we ought to expect? Angels to move among us. Yes. Whether you see them or not is not the issue. What they do is the issue. People ask me the wrong questions all the time, and I don't, I just, sometimes I just wish I could say, why would you ask that? 
He said, what did that angel look like? That's not important. What did he say to me? That's what's important. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm just talking to you here. So we're preaching that. We're going to believe for manifestations to come. We were talking last night a little bit. Let's go to, to Matthew uh, 18 just a minute. I don't think we talked about this last night. I, I went everywhere all over the map, I think. But that's just the way it is sometimes with the prophets. They take off one place and they just go, you know, wherever the Lord teaches and leads me to go. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just doing my best to follow him. And then I do like Smith Wigglesworth said, if I said something wrong in the pulpit, I just let it lay, lay there. I don't try to fix it and straighten it all out. Amen. You know, I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown over being a preacher or any other reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but certainly not serving God. I have the mind of Christ. Yeah. I'm talking scripture to you now. I'm not talking about what I think. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. And the Bible says, God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. The Amplified says a calm and well-balanced mind. So I speak to my mind every day and say, you be calm and well-balanced. Then I speak to my body and say, bring you release the right chemicals in my system that I need as a human being and as an individual. Then I talk to my body about other things too. The life of God comes, touches every cell of my body today. All my bone structure. All my organs are refreshed by your life. Sometimes I mention all of them. I don't know all of them, I don't think, but I mention a bunch, like my liver and my lungs, my heart, etc. Anyway, I want you to look at this with me, Jesus, because I'm going to start talking just for a minute about personal angels. That's what we talked about last night, if you were here. These are not angels assigned to our president. These are not angels assigned to Pastor Mark, unless I'm talking to him. They are assigned to him and Donna and all the others that I don't know all your names. You have personal angels. Nobody got left out of this deal. You, you left yourself out maybe. You didn't even know you had a benefit. I guarantee most of you didn't know that. You were probably 40 years old before you ever heard this. And some have still never heard it. I preached it, but they didn't hear it. Somebody asked me one time, how is it you have so much angelic ministry? I said, well, do you know anything about it? Well, no. Well, I said, you're ignorant. That's your problem. You don't know anything. You don't know anything. You don't get anything. You can love Jesus with all your heart, but you're going to go short when it comes to the angels because they're not like us humans. They, they, they run according to what I say for me and what you say for you. I'm just talking to you here, just trying to help. You have personal angels assigned to you. And, you know, well, I better read this from Jesus just to talk about it for a minute here. Verse 10 of Matthew 18. This is Jesus, red letter. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. I studied it out one time. These children were probably babies or preschoolers, maybe, um, you know, maybe <laughs> zero to, you know, two or three years old, maybe. For I say unto you that, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. So this tells me, and it didn't say saved people or lost people either. It just said that the, the angels are assigned to them because it said their angels. This is my coat. This is my watch. This is my Bible, my notes, because they belong to me. I'm not being rude. I'm just telling you. But I have angels assigned to me too. And it would do you good to get involved with this. Not just me teaching you, but you get involved where you spend enough time in prayer talking to God about what your angels have been sent to do for you. I have a healing ministry. I didn't ask for it. I just laid hands on people when I started because I saw it was in Mark 16. I didn't have any anointing that I knew of at that time in my life. I didn't barely knew how to spell it. But I just kept following God. And he put things in my life, put things in my hand. Angels got assigned to me. Then more angels came. Then more angels came. I used to teasing when I first started teaching this 43 years ago. said, if you're not going to use your angel, I'm calling down the unemployment office because you don't ever work them. Send them to me. I know how to work them, Father. And I used to say that jokingly, but then he added on to me. I don't know the total number because I inherited some angels that went with my dad, Dr. Ed Dufresne, in his healing ministry. He had 100 healing angels that worked with him. And Pastor Nancy, uh, she was praying. I wasn't in the meeting when she said it, but uh, she was in, I think, Jay Everly's church in uh, Cedar Rapids, I Iowa. She said, Lord, I know they didn't go back to heaven and uh, so because they're assigned to the earth. That's what I'm going to talk about in a minute when I want to go over this personal stuff with you. <clears throat> and the Lord said, okay, I'm going to give you a 50 of those. 
though, and there were healing angels. That's what their purpose was. They're not prosperity angels. You could have a prosperity angel, but you just need to release your angel to help you in your prosperity too. And if you spend enough time in prayer, God will show you what you need to say to the angels to get them activated. They're not just running around doing everything they want to do or that God told them to do, but God's looking for agreement on this planet. How can two walk together? That's you and God. That's me and God. Just you and God. Just remember that. Not necessarily the person you're married to. They might be with it and they may not be with it. Your old family may be, you know, messed up. Don't believe nothing. But you better not do that or you won't have any of the blessings and the benefit of their assistance. We studied from the Amphite Bible, I think, uh, the first service, which is Sunday morning, I think, that they are an assistance to us and to God. But we got to be like God. We got to speak to them. All right, based on the Word. And I already told you this. I'm going to say it again. Psalm 91 is my best reference to give you of the whole Bible. And I know it's Old Testament. That's unusual for me to say it that way, but I believe I'm right. Because there's so much in the Psalm 91 that will help you with your angels. And the first starts out, he that dwelleth, not that he that attends church. I mean, it's good that we're here. We should come to learn about these things. And where else could we talk about this? <laughs> you know, you get crucified if you talk about it in a public arena sometimes, if it isn't a church. People are just so critical. Anyway, Jesus is telling us here that their angels are assigned to these children. Now, you might want to ask me this question. I'll just leave, take it out there for you. People have asked me, how come some people bury their children? I said, you know, I got, I got all kinds of reasons, but you wouldn't want to hear it. First of all, the pastors didn't teach their kids that they had angels. Number two, the parents didn't do anything about it. I don't know what they thought God was going to raise their kids or they think I was going to raise their kids. And I told them that when I was their pastor. I'm not going to raise your kids for you. I'll have somebody at church that knows how to teach your kids, but you're the parent. I'm the parent of my kids. You're the parent of your kids. Get it together. Or you get what you get, which is disaster. Now, thank you so much. I had a young girl in my church. I think she's about a senior. Of course, I'm 73. This is back when I was pastoring. But it hadn't been too far back, maybe 20 years. And I said, somebody told me you got a boyfriend. Is that right? And I understand you're pretty close to him. She said, well, that's kind of right. I said, why don't you bring him to church and let me scan him? <laughs> you know the TSA people that got those wands? Beep, beep, what's that, sir? I don't know what that is. I mean, beep, beep, what's this? Beep, beep, you know. And her answer was, well, he don't, want, he don't like church. I said, honey, I, I wouldn't be uh, running around with somebody that doesn't like church. And this is what her answer to me. Well, he's a good kisser. And yeah, I'm going to tell you what I said right back to her, to her face. Honey, you, if you're a good kisser, you could teach any man to kiss you good. I want to know how he treats his parents. Does he have a job? Does he have a car? Does he go to work? Does he cuss? Does he want to go to bed with you? You know, whatever. Let's just get it out there where it really is. A lot of times, especially with younger men, they're just as dumb as rocks. Unless they've really been trained by their moms and dads. Anyway, I'm not throwing that at anybody here. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just saying, you know, you just got to really watch your boys because they, they don't understand some things. They're all excited because she's female. All right. Girls, you need some stop signs. Yeah, don't do that. So I'm trying to show you here that Jesus said that all the children have angels that belong to them. But if you're a parent, what I did is I released my children's angels to watch over them when they were younger. And I was still the father and I, I was the head of my house. So they didn't do anything unless I let them. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes we had to spank them, sometimes put them on restriction or something like that. But they were good kids overall, I think. I mean, they weren't perfect. I know yours weren't either. But I worked on them and continued to pray. And I told the Lord when I first came into ministry, I'll go anywhere on the planet you send me. But by God, I'm going to hold you to it. You're going to help my kids. They're going to love God like I do or better. When this is all said and done, and if you're not going to agree to that, then I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that to you again. <laughs> you think he got mad? He was thrilled. He said, oh, I'll take you up on that, Michael. 
He's excited he had somebody to say something like that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Jesus here is talking about children that had angels. So what we need to do is teach them intelligence. I told the story about my granddaughter. I'm not going to repeat all that. It takes too long. You know, telling I was show and tell at her preschool deal at a Lutheran preschool. And she was pretty bold. I guess mommy really told her some things. You know, he, she called me, my granddaughter, when she was six, wanted to talk to Papa. I said, what's up, honey? He said, you know, I had show and tell today at school. I said, well, great. What'd you talk about? Talked about you. What did you say about me? I said, my papa sees angels. <laughs> and he wrote a book. And um, what else did she say? I forget. <laughs> she just went out there. You know, and of course, after we got done talking, I had to ask this question. What did your teacher say? <laughs> and she said, nothing. <laughs> I said, I figured that. Either she's so intimidated by the school systems, even religious ones, or she don't know anything about the subject. That would be my number one thinking. Yeah. They don't know about angels, by the Christ doesn't, as a whole. Anyway, I've been preaching on this 42 years, not, not just this, all kinds of subjects. So, but I wanted to read you something here. We get started here. And so this would include you. You're born here. Anybody not born through the womb of a woman, raise your lying hand. <laughs> You came the same way everybody comes here, through the womb of a woman. It's the only way you can get legal entry into this planet. So you have an angel assigned to you, and more, I'm going to read this. This came out of Brother Hagin's book, uh, I Believe in Visions. And you know, I just, I pay attention to people I trust. Don't pay too much attention to people I don't trust. <laughs> and that's going to stay on the down low. I'm not going to tell you who I trust and don't, but there's a handful of people I trust in the planet. And uh, I was with my spiritual father down at Pastor Scott Webb's church. At that time, he had a church in Birmingham. I don't know for sure where he's at now. But anyway, and my spiritual father was teaching. He said, you preachers, and I was on the first or second row, need to read the book, I Believe in Visions. Well, I'd already read it several times. I went to home, or made a note of it in my notes. And I went to my office at my house, and I saw it in the bookcase, and I got it out. And it was all marked up. Then I went to church. I had an office there, got it out of that library, my, my personal library, and I read it. I looked, and it was all marked up, too. And I thought, well, you know what? Since he said to read it again, I'm going to go read it. So Arlene, she's sitting right over here. I said, oh, raise your hand, Arlene. She's worked with me over 40 years, her and Dale. Get me another copy of Dr. Brother Hagen's, I believe, in Visions book. So I started reading it. I got to the ninth chapter, and I made a photocopy of this because it was so good. The name of the chapter is The Angel's Message. So I, don't, I, I guess I'm just going to read a lot of this to you. You can just sit and listen because I reread it to myself at the hotel today. And it so blessed me that we had somebody to follow in this. And unfortunately, I didn't have marked in the two books I had what I marked in this one. <laughs> See, I am a doctor. Anyway... <clears throat> He's talking about some of the visitations he's had. This is what he says. The eighth time I saw the Lord, the eighth time, or the next, as he quotes from the Amplified Bible, he says, your divinely granted appearance was in August 1963. It was primarily for my own benefit. However, because it does involve ministry, I shall relate it here. At this time, we were in an eight-week revival series. And that's another reason why we don't have some of the move of God we've had in days gone by we got to get everything in a three-day meeting or it's not going to cook. It's not going to go anywhere. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to get in churches and stay forever, but I think we got it all figured out in our head. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let me, let me see where I was. And at this time, we were in an eight-week series of meetings. And during the last three weeks, we had set aside two nights a week solely for prayer. And there was no preaching. I told the people that it would be no sermon, only prayer. On those nights, if, if they were not coming to pray, not to plan to come to the services. Yet the crowds were as large on those nights as they were on the other nights. One night as we were all praying, I was kneeling on the platform. Jesus suddenly appeared before me. Again, an angel stood about three feet behind him. This angel was quite tall. He must have been seven feet taller or more. Jesus began to talk to me about my ministry. And a short time before this, my wife had written me concerning my sister, 
Brother Hagin's sister who had been told that she had cancer by the doctors. And he says, I had been praying for my sister before the Lord appeared to me on the thing he's talking about right now. And uh, he said, your sister will live and not die. There is no danger, listen, of immediate death. Doesn't mean she's not going to die. She's just not on this time. She's not going to die. He said that she would live at least another five years. And she did. And when she died after five years, which is what she did, she did not die from the condition that existed at five years before her death was caused by something else. I heard him say she never listened. To, Jesus told her, told him, she never listened to one of your tapes, Brother Hagin. She didn't read any of your books. She didn't go to any meetings where you preach. You had a five-year extension. You just played around, goofed off. I'm not mad at her. I, I praise God. She's in heaven. Let's not get sad. Whoever loved her went to her funeral and tried to say something nice and put her in the ground. She's not in the ground. She's up in heaven. But anyway, you just see what I'm saying. That's the reality of something. God gives you time to correct something and get in it. And then you just flippantly don't do that. I don't know what people do. I guess they goof that time off. <laughs> All right. And then he, this is the name of the, the, I'm still in the same chapter of the angel's message. Every time I looked up at the angel, he looked back at me. As if, if he were about to say something, and then I would look back at Jesus and the angel wouldn't say anything. Finally, I said to the Lord, who is this angel and what does he represent? And Jesus said, this is your angel. My angel, he said. Now, see, you think that Brother Hagin knew everything. Yeah. This tells me where he was when he was younger. Yeah. He said, my angel. And Jesus responded, yes, don't you know it's written in my word where I said to my disciples. I just read it to you. Uh, suffer the little children, forbid them not to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. And, and Matthew's account, Matthew 18, 10 now, for their angels always bold the face of my father, which is in heaven. You don't lose your angel just because you grow up, Jesus said. He has a message for you, the Lord said. Well, think about it. Why would we lose our angel just because we grew up? And of course I knew that, but I mean, I don't know if everybody knows it or not. Even if you've never used him, he's just, I don't know, he's by the dumpster taking a smoke, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> That's some of the questions people have me about that stupid, you know. About angels. And he said, you don't lose your angel just because you grow up. But see, if you haven't done anything with them, you never even, even trusted just the scriptures. Whether you see anything or not is not imperative here. Most people are not going to see what some of us see. I didn't ask for this to begin with, but he's privileged me to see a lot, especially as I got older. I wasn't having visions back when I was 20 like I have now. I had a few, but not like I have now. Just talking to you. And then he says, but Lord, you are here. Why can't you deliver the message? This is as a human being trying to reason everything out. Yeah. There's Jesus, there's an angel. And he says, well, why can't you just deliver the message? After all, I wanted to be scriptural. I want you to listen to what he says about himself. That's the way we all feel, especially when you get talking about a subject like this, or if I talked about demons, oh my gosh, the Bloody Christ is crazy sometimes about how they think about those. But he's already defeated if you just knew the truth. He's already whipped. <laughs> you know, nobody ever whipped up on him that they ever came back to try me again. So just talking to you, just in the natural. I'm not trying to start a fight. All right. And he, this is Brother Hagin's comment. Uh, but why can't you deliver the message after all? I wanted to be scriptural. The Holy Spirit is to be our guide. He's the one who gives us guidance as well as the Word of God. But I wasn't sure about an angel giving me a message. See, that's the way a lot of people, we just think in the natural more than anything. I'm not making fun of Brother Hagin. He's sharing his heart here with us. Show us his humanity in the way that maybe he was thinking as a younger man. And somebody told me, I think it was you guys, but I don't remember who told it. Because I've just been here the last few days about Brother Hagin told in a meeting, listen to my current stuff I teach, not what I taught 30 years ago, because I've grown a little bit. Yeah. I would say the same to you. Yeah. Okay. About me. Uh, but I wasn't sure about an angel giving me a message. I said to Jesus, you know that I am a real stickler for the word. I know we feel like that too, but I think we're just favorite word people. That's what I think. You know, you've got scriptures on your refrigerator that always promise you something, but there's more than that in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
you know, I'm not, not sickness and disease is not included because Jesus already bore that. But you will suffer persecution, especially by being a word person. Not a favorite word person, but a word person. All right. And then let's see here. He says, uh, I'm a real stickler for the word. Uh, I, you know, I thought I was too at one time. Now I look back and go, man, where was I? Jesus said to me, did you ever read in the Bible where an angel of the Lord came and awakened Peter when he was in jail and in answer to prayer led him out of the jail? Don't you remember that the angel of the Lord appeared to Philip and gave him directions after that great citywide revival in Samaria? That's in chapter 8 of, of uh, Acts. You will remember the Ethiopian eunuch was converted to Christianity and carried the gospel back to Ethiopia. Do you remember the angel of the Lord appeared to Paul when he was on board the ship on his way to Rome to appeal his case before Caesar because he was a Roman citizen? A storm had arisen and all the merchandise on the ship had been thrown overboard in a last ditch attempt to save the vessel and its passengers. All hope that they should be saved was gone. But Paul stood up and said, I exhort you be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For the, you know, I mean, here's the ship captain. I'm sure he thought, this is just a dumb Christian. But Paul already knew. He said, don't take it out now. You're going to have a problem. And they just, I'll put that prisoner in a room somewhere and lock the door on him. <laughs> you know, yeah. For there had stood by me this night, the angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given them all them that sail with thee. That's in Acts 27. The Lord uh, said, didn't the angel give Paul directions? Didn't he have a message for Paul from God? The Lord also reminded me of the time when Paul was praying in the temple in Jerusalem. This Brother Hagin thinking here fell into a trance and saw Jesus. And Jesus told him, make haste and get out of Jerusalem because they're going to try to kill you. In Acts 22 there, then after Paul was arrested before appealing his case to Caesar, the Lord appeared to him one night in jail in Jerusalem and told him not to be afraid. For Paul was to bear witness of Jesus' name before kings and authorities. So we see that all through Jesus, so we see that although Jesus had appeared to Paul and given him words of comfort and direction, the angel of the Lord also appeared to him and gave Paul personal direction. Ministering spirits in teaching me about angels. Now he's in a private setting having a vision. Jesus teaching him about angels. That's precious when that happens. <laughs> I've had a couple like that sometimes. He says, um, let's see, he says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister, that's Hebrews 1, 14, minister to those that are heirs of salvation. I'd always thought that verse said, minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation. But the word says, minister for them. Yeah. See, the way the Lord dealt with me, I was reading Hebrews 1, 14 one day and he said, Michael, you ever noticed the word for? Not till now, but I'm noticing it now. What are you telling me? Four is a bigger word than two. Yeah. Four includes them ministering to you. Like I told you, the angel ministered to me in Birmingham. Brother Dr. Dufresne was up front trying to preach. Fell into a trance, came out of that trance, said, Dr. Jacobs, where are you at? He picked it up in the Holy Ghost. I hadn't even told him. The doctor called me, said, your blood's a mess and you're in serious trouble. I said, well, I'm not coming back tomorrow. I'm going out of town. I'll come back next Tuesday, I promise you. Put your girl on and I'll make an appointment. But I won't be there till Tuesday. Got in that meeting. The first session he was in, he hadn't even got, I hadn't been there 15 minutes after the praise and worship. He got up to preach and he fell into a trance. I told you that last night. And then he said, where are you at? And I said, back here. He said, I know you believe in angels. He kind of laughed. He knew. I said, yeah, I sure do. There's one standing behind you come to fix your body. Something's wrong with your body, isn't it? And I said, yes, sir. I'm not trying to make a good confession. I'm answering his question. Yeah. All right. Uh, and he says, uh, the word minister used here carries the thought to wait or to serve somebody. For instance, when you go into a restaurant, a waitress comes and to minister to you. If you'll tell her what you want, what are you going to order? The Lord said to me, angels are ministering spirits who are sent to minister, not just to one, but to all who are heirs of salvation. Yeah. Now, if you've got Jesus in your heart, you're an heir of salvation. You, you have angels assigned to you right now. Maybe you didn't know that. I mean, I'm saying something for the first time. I don't know. I don't know everybody here where your head's at. And I'm not going to try to figure it out because I'm in the I don't care club. <laughs> I care about you, but I don't care about knowing all your business. And all your drama. Oh my gosh. Please spare me that. Yeah. 
someone might ask, well, why haven't they done, I put something here to make sure I said that to you tonight about personal angels. I said, uh, why haven't they done anything? Brother Hagen says, they're waiting for you to give them the order just as the waitress cannot do anything for you until you give her the order. What if I was playing like I was a, a waiter tonight? Let me just get this out and really be official. Now you don't say respond to me either. What would you like to eat tonight? We do have some steaks that are really good. The filet mignon is really good. The uh, ribeye is really good though. How about some chicken or shrimp or what would you like to drink? Well, see, you're not saying nothing. Here's the angel trying to get your order. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, we got to. I may use that again. It's pretty good. I like it. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. So anyway, here's this. What After the Lord quoted these scriptures from the word, I repented of my ignorance. Smart man. I thought I was being a stickler for the word. You just, I'm surprised at people's attitude when I talk about this and they seem like they don't believe anything I'm saying. Are you sure about, yeah, I've got chapters and verses for everything I teach. Yeah. I wouldn't say it. Yeah. I'd be a liar if I told you any different. Yeah. I don't presume anything that I can't prove out scripturally. But then sometimes you get so involved in, well, how many scriptures do you have to have, Dr. Jacobs, to prove something? Well, Jesus said two or three. All right, I'm just talking to you here. And so he says, uh, let me see. You know, I think many times dear people, Brother Hagin talking, have been defeated by thinking they were sticklers for the word when they were really just being sticklers for what they thought the word said. The word may have more to say on some subjects than you realize. Yeah. Now, I'm just talking about me for a minute. Why, what, would, what would I gain by lying about something that I'm teaching that I consider so sacred? Amen. I already told you how I felt about sharing my visions. I'm not into that. I'm, I, what, I wasn't pleased that he asked me to do it, and I was going to fight him about it. You know what I mean? Say, I'm not going to do that. That's what I told him. No, I don't want to do that. And then he said, why not? And, I, and I, you heard me tell the story. You don't know? No, I know everything, Michael. I want you to say it out your own mouth. So I told him what I thought. It didn't change his attitude a bit. He said, it's either that or else. I said, okay, I'd be glad to do it. <laughs> See, I'm smarter than some people. Some people try to talk God out of everything that's going to be harder on their flesh. Yeah. How would you like to get up in front of people all over the planet and talk about things that are so sacred and precious to me, like a holy moment, I call it, <laughs> and, and maybe they don't know where I am or who I am really, and they just judge me and critique it all and I don't know, that guy, I think he's nuts. No, I'm not nuts. I'm just a man's following God. I didn't ask God for any of the visions. Never did, even when I was a drug person coming off of drugs and all that. I never asked him to see anything. I found a verse in John 20 when I first got saved, said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So I just made that a part of my daily thinking. All right. So anyway, <laughs> so I said to the Lord, all right, Lord, now I understand you see, if you're not careful, we can get so conscious of obeying the letter of the word that we miss the spirit of the word and shut the door on God and on the move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One thing that changed me, helped me a great deal is I went to a Dr. Dufresne meeting in 1995. First time I'd been with him in California. I hooked up with him in 93. Uh, God gave me his name. I prayed for 90 days an hour in tongues every day for 90 days. The 91st day he said, contact Dr. Ed Dufresne and have him come to your church. He only gave me one name. So I, I contacted him and told him, I need you to come as soon as possible if you would, sir. Told him that God had told me to have him come. And he came, you know, and I, he'd been in my church and I'd been in other churches locally, but never at his big camp meeting. He said, Michael, I want you to come out there. I went out there and, and one of the services he well, let me just tell a little more. I think I'm going somewhere with this for a minute for some of you. And you know, about by Wednesday of that week, it started Monday night, had morning services, night services. Wednesday morning, I was in the hotel. The guy I went with, he, he went to cook the car and went and got something to eat or something. And I'm just in this little, I'm at the Comfort Inn, but there's no comfort there whatsoever. <laughs> it is an El Cheapo Hotel. Now, they might not be today. I don't know, but that one was a dump. And I was in there and I said, Father, I just feel like I'm missing something. Yes. What's my problem? Because I know it's on my side. 
He said, your problem is you've been on this side of the altar, like ministering out this way. You haven't been on this side receiving hardly at all because you're in charge of your church. Other than having doctors reign, he laid hands on you when he came to minister. Because he had, I, had a, I have a similar ministry to him. That's why I can't neglect not laying my hands on people. Amen. We ought to tell you about that in a minute. God had to correct me three times in two years. Because I, I would get in it and I would start moving in the Holy Ghost as best I knew then. This is a long time back. And then I would pull back from laying hands on so many people. And the Lord said, Michael, what did I tell you to do? You said, my anointing is in my hands, especially my right hand, but my left hand too. Yeah, and you drew back from it. What's your problem? I know you don't like me to talk like that, but you need to grow up. What, and he, I said, well, what's my problem? He said, you've been on the given side so long, you forgot how to receive. So he, this was Wednesday morning in California. And when he, anybody gets up and give an invitation, unless it's for a praise and worship leader, you are not. Don't get up in that line. Anything that just resembles anything that you'd like to get in line, run up there quickly. So from Wednesday morning when I went back that night and on and on, if anything sounded like I might need it, I got up front and was in line to receive. And I wasn't doing one of these things. Why don't you get in line? Do you think I'm going to slap you and knock you in the head? I mean, come on now. You think I'm really going to knock you down on purpose? No. I'm a little more aggressive about my hands because that's the way God made me to be as I got older. I want to make sure you get it. I'm not trying to mess with people. I'm trying to help you. So that last night he saw me over here and he went like this, come over to me. He was on the platform on this side. They said he slapped me about 20 times, my head, my shoulders, my hips, up and down. And I fell on the floor and my back end got stuck to the floor like I'd, somebody glued me with paste to the floor there. And I couldn't move for a long time there. And finally I was able to scoot back like this on my rear end. And I pulled in right here, and there were some people sitting here and over here. And I said, can I have this place to park? And they said, sure. I'm still on the floor. I can't get up. Anyway, that was the beginning of revival. I brought it back to my church that next Sunday. I said, I got something in California if you want to get up here. I didn't give them 15 scriptures. I just said, I got something from California if you want to get up here. Pastor Keith Rogan was the first one up. Amen. I laid hands on him and fell back on his back. <laughs> This is his part. He tells me this a lot. Uh, the Lord said, I want you to praise me uncontrollably to Pastor Keith. And he looked around. He said, nobody else is doing that. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm talking to you, Pastor Keith. I want you to praise me uncontrollably. And I don't know how in the world he did it. He backed up on the kind of the, I don't know, like his shoulder blades. He had his whole body was up in the air. And he was like riding a unicycle. He really, there was no unicycle there, but his feet were going like this. He's the first one that entered in. And that anointing stayed on me and on our church, 95, 96, 97, part of 98. Three and a half years. Man, what a deal. But see, one thing I learned when I got in that meeting out in California, I didn't have it all figured out once I realized what I was not doing right. And I gave myself to God to receive everything I could from my spiritual father. I trusted him. How many understand what I'm saying? So when God would break out in my church in all kinds of unusual manifestations, I mean, really, I guess I'm going that direction, aren't I, Father? So like one night, one of those summers, it would have been 95 or could have been 96 the next summer. I had all the preschoolers in the service with me on Wednesday night for praise and worship. Then when that's over, I dismissed them. They used to go right to their class. The teachers would take them get them off the parents' hands, but I didn't want that to happen. I wanted the younger kids to get in our praise services. And they're in there in the summer, and I'm on the platform then. I don't sit up there now, but all of a sudden we sang some song. I don't remember the song. I don't think the song was what did it. But something happened, and we had, I'd probably taught on romance four or five years earlier, because we had a big batch of kids that were three and four and five. <laughs> I mean, there's at least 25 of them. And they're sitting with their parents, so they're scattered all over the congregation. And it's like, you know, when a guy says, ready, set, and he's got a gun, you go, boom. I didn't hear that, but it was like somebody invisibly went, boom. And they all hit the, hit the carpet and started running around the church like a little wild people. And their faces were so sincere. <laughs> and they ran like that for about, I don't know, maybe two and a half, three minutes. Do you remember, Jenny? And all of a sudden, they all stopped at the same point, like somebody went, ding, stop. 
And some of them were here and there in the back and the sides. They all went back and sat with their parents. And I, all of a sudden, an angel showed up on the platform. I turned around and he said, Michael, I'm going to give you these balls, these fireballs. I want you to throw them at people I tell you to. Now, see, I've already put you out there. I'm going to tell this story. <laughs> so I had this couple in my church called Daryl and Kelly. This is a Wednesday night, the Sunday before that. She, she came to me with her husband and said, you know, we got kids. We asked somebody to watch a minute. Can we talk to you right now? It's really important. It's an emergency. And it's Sunday morning after I got done preaching. Normally, I'm not thinking I'm going to counsel anybody. But since they seem so desperate, I said, okay, let's go in my office. Your kids are taken care of. They're not running through the halls, are they? Okay. So we went in there and she said, I went to the gynecologist lady. And he said, she said, or whatever, I have cancer of the cervix. And they want to do radiation surgery and chemotherapy on me immediately. And I'd like for you to pray for me. So I laid hands on her head. Had her husband was there. You lay hands on her too. And I prayed for her and I cursed that cancer and commanded it to die. That was on the preceding Sunday. And then it came Wednesday night. And the first ball that he handed me, it was about the size of a softball, not a baseball, a softball. And it had flames around it, but it didn't burn me. He put them in my hand one at a time. Call up Kelly. Kelly was way over here. I said, Kelly, stand out in the aisle there. And I threw that at her. I could see it. I, no, I mean, I just went like that unless you could, as you operate discerning a spirit, you'd seen it in my hand and be going towards her. But I saw it and went towards her and went right, right down in that area. And then she fell out when it hit her. Hmm. And I did about 15 of those little balls with fire on them. And he told me who to throw them at. And everybody I threw it at, they fell out. So Kelly, the next Sunday, I'm just telling this as one example of what happened that night. Kelly and her husband, Daryl, they ran to me. I was like, we're Pastor Mark and Donar, me and Diana. They ran over to me and said, oh, my God, I went back to the gynecologist. He checked me. I've got nothing wrong with me. He said, everything's gone. <laughs> so you may think, well, what did that mean? That meant that lady got healed. She was, had a death sentence, kind of, unless they were able to kill it all. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm just telling you what I saw and I knew about the Holy Ghost. All right, I'm trying to read this here. I'm just, I think I'm getting towards the end, maybe. Is this okay? Yes. Okay. Uh, and let me see here what he says. Uh, After the angel had delivered his message to me, the Lord said, now respond to him. So I looked to the angel, this Brother Hagin's response. What is it that you have to say to me? And the angel replied, I'm sent from the presence of God to tell you not to let so-and-so, and he mentioned a certain man's name, duplicate your tapes for he has an ulterior motive. Brother Hagin was short on cash then. I'm adding this so you understand. He needed, I think it was $3,500. Don't sound like a lot now to me, but back in the 50s or 60s, I think he said it was 60-something when he had this vision, 60-something. He was going to do, a, a, like I do, books and tapes and all that media stuff. And this guy was going to loan him the money, but the angel said he has ulterior motives. He's probably going to take it away from him. If he loans him the money, he's going to put some claw in it. So he, he can, you know, whatever. I'm sent with this message to tell you that in four months' time, you'll have in your possession so many thousands of dollars. And he mentioned a certain amount, and you will have enough for to set up your own office and make your own tapes. And not only will you have this money in four months' time, this is an angel talking to him, but other money will come for my angels. Now, this is his personal guardian angel. I want to repeat that. So if Brother Hagin could have stuff like that happen with his personal angel, we could have stuff happen with our personal angel because God's no respecter of uh, partiality. And if he doesn't give us something similar that he could do with the angel that works with us, then he'd, he'd make Brother Hagin an odd man out. And the Bible says you can't do that. That's sin if you declare that over some people and other people can't do it. And so <laughs> the angel said, my, my angels are at work now to cause the money to come. And he said to the angel, what do you mean my angels? See, that's what I would have said if an angel said my angels are out there. Somehow I knew that was in the background of all that I've studied all these many years, but I would never say it because I'd never heard anybody talk like that but me <laughs> and my thinking. And I didn't want to say it to other people because you'd all stuck me in the wall. Like, oh my God, that guy's crazy. An angel talked to him, said there's other angels under him. Do you have proof that there's not that way? I don't think you do. 
See, that's what I mean. We're so stickler for the word. And somebody says one little side thought, you go, that's the weirdest thing I ever heard. No, it's just beyond where you've been. Maybe perhaps Brother Hagin was out there. I, I would say he's a leading prophet in North America at that time, maybe in the world. I don't know. Anyway, and he said, I'm over a number of angels and I got them working now. So he's having a vision and Jesus is with him. I know Jesus wouldn't let anything goofy go on with him. <laughs> he's trying to convince him of this angel's legitimacy. And he wonders why you just can't tell me the story or whatever you need to tell me. You know, don't you? That's not the point. He'll talk to you when I'm done. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to do what God says. So I figured, I saw in this that here, Brother Hagen has a vision and he begins to understand something that the angel says, my angels. And what really he's saying is my angels are out there helping me take care of you. I'm not allowed to leave you. He's a personal angel assigned to you. Okay. I have that angel assigned to me. The one that came when I was five and I got healed. I was a cripple boy like Forrest Gump. But then I have another angel that defends me. He's a totally different being. It was through a vision I had. He showed up. Anyway, I won't go down that trail with you right now. But he said, I'm over a number of angels and I've got them working now. I'm just trying to get through this a little bit. And I'll maybe give another scripture to you so you believe I'm a preacher. <laughs> I listened to a fellow pastor. I'm not a pastor, but anyway, he's a wonderful, funny guy. He's funny. And he said, I've taught this whole message. I guess I'll read you scripture so you'll believe I'm really a pastor. <laughs> he read it over in Timothy. He's <laughs> so funny. I met him recently. He asked me to come to his church sometime. We'll see if it gets worked out. I don't know. Four months later, Brother Hagin talking now, just like that angel said, I had the money. He said I would have, and I was able to establish our office and do the work of God without being under bondage to anyone. That was a divinely granted appearance concerning my ministry. I have since learned to say, go ministering spirits. I'm going to repeat it for you. He's learned to say, go ministering spirits and cause the needed money to come in Jesus' name. Yeah. Yeah. See, and I don't know that he adds it here, but he did it on a tape that I was listening to. Well, but he said, I bind you, Satan, and command you to take your hands off my money. Yeah. Then he says, go ministering spirits, that's the angels, to cause the money to come to me that I need to do this and such. Yeah. And it isn't for silly things like you're thinking maybe like jewelry or a new, a new dress or a new coat or a new outfit. I mean, you can have all that as in abundance if you want. That's not a big deal for God. He don't care what you drive or what you wear as long as you wear your best and do your best. Yeah. That's the way I interpret him. Amen. I praise God he will direct us and guide us today even by visions when necessary, not as we might will, but as he wills. Believers aren't to pray and seek for angels to appear to them. The devil might accommodate them. And he uses 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, that says Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. You know, you wouldn't believe people come to me sometimes. I, this angel appeared to me and told me how to leave my wife. I said, do you love her? Yeah, you have a good relationship? Well, it's pretty good. I said, why would... The, why do you think an angel would tell you to divorce your wife? He's setting you up. What's the matter with you? Yeah. But he was in a white robe. What does that mean? Yeah. You can go buy a white robe. I could wear a white robe tonight and act like I was Episcopal priest or something to you. Get a cone hat and everything. <laughs> that don't make me an Episcopal priest. Yeah. And run down the aisles with incense. And light a candle. I'm kind of making fun a little bit. Not of people, but some of the strangeness that goes with people's mentality. Yeah. He said, just stay faithful to God. If God sees fit, a believer may have a divinely granted appearance. If God doesn't, that's fine too. God is the one who grants these things as he wills. That's pretty good, pretty good teaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So here's the other part of that I hadn't said anything about. I wrote it on this note so I wouldn't forget it. Brother Hagin endorses this and says that... Uh, the personal angel that's over you has other angels under him that assist him to take care of things that you might pray about or might need. And then, uh, what's his name? Richard Sigmund, is that the right guy? My Time in Heaven, anybody ever read that book? He talks about heaven. I've only found uh, four or five different levels of angelic beings in the Bible myself. I hope I'm not goofy, but... <laughs> They have archangels, which are high, high angels up in authority. They have uh, cherubims, 
They protect holy places and holy things. Seraphims, they're worshiping God in heaven. But they, all these different angels have ministered to men in this planet. I can prove it. I don't have time right now, but I could prove it. And then the guardian angels. And then there's some beings in the book of Revelation. Some of the description fits a seraphim. Other description fits a cherubim. I just call them living creatures. But to say Bond, you know, he went to, he was in a car accident and dead for eight hours. They had his toe wrapped with wire. They're going to embalm him. And he's in heaven. <laughs> and he, and then the two angels assist him around heaven. They talk to him. He says, I want to go see that building. No, you can't go that. Why not? It's none of your business. You just can't see it. Quit it. And they walk him around, show him things he can see. And he says in his, in his book, actually, my time in heaven, I have a son and a daughter, that Hobbes, Luke and Jonah. They have that book on, uh, what do you call it, CD, and they loaded it on my telephone, so it takes five hours to listen to it. But it's him talking about himself being in heaven. It's such a wonderful book. And he says in there, <laughs> I was watching, listening to him one time for an hour at night, and he first said, I think there's 12 different classes of angels he's been able to figure out. And then I kept on listening to him. We got to another hour. He said, I think there's 70 classes of angels. So I'm just telling you a little bit. I know I'm not in heaven yet. You know what I mean? There's a lot we don't know, but I'm telling you everything I do know to help you. And you could say, devil, get your hands off my money and administering spirits you go. Of course, you know, you'd have to be somewhat in cahoots with God, like a tither at least. That's just minimal. That's preschool stuff in my opinion. That didn't like, well, I've arrived. You're just getting started. I went from being a tither to an offering giver too. Then I went from that to being a distributor. And I paid more, I have given away more money in the last three years than I paid for my first two or three houses. Yes, <laughs> and I only give it to preachers. And I only give it to the ones he tells me to. I'm just talking. Yeah, don't write me a letter and tell me how much you need. I don't know you yet. Hang on. <laughs> you come in with a sign tomorrow. We'll work for food, you know. Here's a 10. Go get you a sandwich. I'd like to read you a couple of these. These are healings. Amen. And then I'm just going to minister to you. We'll lay hands on you. Yeah, you could, what did I put that? I put it somewhere up here. Maybe I put it in here. Oh, here it is right here. Now let me see where he says that. I was with him in 2003 in Lima, Peru. And he called me out and he ran, he, he took my hand. We ran all the way back to the back of that sanctuary and across the, the, whatever you call it, the foyer and then came down this way. And when he stopped, he said, you have refreshing in your hands, Michael. And then he said, you'll have teeth and jaw miracles and healings. I can't tell you the amount of people we've been able to help with that. I had one girl in my church, Katie Ziegler. She's a ICU nurse at the hospital there in New Albany. She had so much mechanical stuff in her mouth, she had to sleep with it like that because she had a TMJ, really serious problem in that joint. It click and stuff. And I prayed for her one time for that kind of thing, any miracles of the jaw and healings and miracles, both once a healing is just getting you healed from a bad situation, but a miracle could be he's creating something you didn't have in there. Yeah. All right, and so I prayed for her one time. She went back to the orthodontist or whatever he's called that does all that. He said, you don't need to just take it all out and throw it away. You're good. I don't know what happened to you. Well, I got prayed for by a man of God. All right. I, I'd just like to read a couple of these things. And if you want to believe, if you get in line, you need healing, just take healing. I don't got to know every detail of you. I just got the same anointing. And because God told me when I was getting started up here, I felt like I got all these notes, but I'm not going to go that direction, am I? It would have been okay to do that other way, but you wouldn't have got the best you could have got. <laughs> okay. This lady is named Mrs. Peoples, and she is in the church at Pastor Hannibal's. I want to read about her. She wrote me a, sounds long, but anyway, she says, These are all the symptoms currently manifesting in my body, not once in a while, but every day. Due to a car accident in May 2013, I've been in constant back pain. The doctors have burned my nerves in my back and want to implant a stem machine into my back with leads going to the affected areas to trick my brain into not feeling the pain. That's some kind of machinery they put in you and it tricks your system to try to deal with the pain in an area. It's not very, it doesn't sound good at all. 
I could not stand long enough to cut vegetables in the kitchen or walk to the front door in my 1400 foot square house. I would instantly start sweating profusely like I'd been on a cardio class for hours, be very short of breath and would be beyond exhausted. The cardiologist also diagnosed me with lymphedema, a non-curable disease in your lymph nodes that can cause your legs or arms to swell to abnormal size. She couldn't even put shoes on. When I saw her, she had no shoes on, her feet were giant. And she came in the prayer line. I just laid hands on her and she fell out. And, and uh, anyway, I'm just telling you what she had here. My legs have been so full and I cannot wear shoes or socks. My skin would be so stretched that I couldn't even touch them or it'd be extremely painful. I've had joint pain for about 12 years. However, recently the symptoms have gotten 100% worse. If I sat longer than 30 minutes, I think it's 30 minutes, I couldn't move my fingers or walk without severe pain in my legs. I've had thyroid nodules twice. They were drained about 10 years ago, but recently they grew back and were so large you could easily see them from the outside of my throat. And I could feel them on the right side of my throat. Sometimes the weight of the nodules would make it hard to even take a good breath. Now, this is what happened when I prayed for her. I think it's kind of interesting. I didn't know the lady. She just, you know, Dennis told me about her, said she might be coming for healing. I don't know, but she's embarrassed. She couldn't wear couldn't even put on hose, couldn't put on high heels, couldn't wear any shoes. Her legs were huge at the bottom. She said, as Dr. Jacobs laid hands on me, it was different. I had been raised in a Pentecostal church my whole life, but this was without doubt completely incomparable to anything else that I ever experienced before. As, I, as he laid hands on me, stepping back a couple of times, then I felt that my body almost released control and go completely limp. While I was laying there, it seemed to be aware of something totally different going on around me. And my mind was going or thinking, really, but I could hear the things around me. I remember weeping in my moving around, but then something happening literally felt as though I was being lifted off the ground. My hips seemed planted on the ground, my whole torso uh, up, which was lifted and then back, and I couldn't control it whatsoever. And she stressed appropriately. She's not being wild looking, but she had on pants, I think. Just to help you know something here. I do not know what happened when those angels were appointed to do this this morning, but I do, did it with whatever it was. It was life altering. When I was finally able to get up, I sat there for a few minutes. I realized that my body, I just read you the list of stuff she had going on, was not in pain, no pain anywhere. And I went off running around the sanctuary a couple times. <laughs> Besides the fact that my body was not in pain, the fact that I was able to get myself off the ground without pain, able to sit there with no pain, and I ran. It was a total miracle, miracle, complete healing. I had been able to do that for many, 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 many long time. I had pain in my joints, my legs were hands, nothing, and I didn't pass out from much exertion. God absolutely did a miracle in, my, in me this morning. And she says, I may take a lap tonight if I want. God just did all that in just a matter of a few minutes. And let me tell you this here. I'm going to take real long. I've only been here, what did we start, 7 o'clock? Well, I guess I've taught longer than I thought I would. These are two medical reports on a lady and a man both healed of HIV in my ministry. Uh, they got me the medical reports, and I appreciated that. Let me see here. Let's see. This is the man. And this is a report from the blood from the hospital when they took blood to make sure what's going on. Everything is normal. And the back says normal and it says undetectable. HIV is undetectable now. This is the ladies uh, from the medical report. And um, it just has all these numbers and different readings. And finally, it's written in uh, ink there and underlined not detectable. The, the virus is not detectable in her body either. Hallelujah. And I used Joel 321 to pray for him. That talks about your blood being cleansed that was not cleansed. So I just prayed Joel, uh, you know, 321 over him and that their blood would be cleansed. And they've been normal. And they have been. Since then. I mean, well, they've been normal from that. I think the man got back into a lifestyle. We won't mention that right now. This is a, this is a farmer guy. He's from Evansville. I fell off the top of a combine landed on some metal covers protecting grain augers. I landed on my right hip. I really thought I broke it. I limped in pain from October to December. You prayed for my hip uh, and I am, and I ran one lap around the church. I was instantly healed. 
Hallelujah. It's kind of interesting, I think. Here's the lady. Uh, she's from Brother Dr. Hannibal's church. She had something. She was receiving therapy for her shoulder in here. I've been see, receiving physical therapy and was scheduled for a surgery on a t torn rake rotator cup in my right shoulder. A complete, this is what the MRI showed them, complete tear of the long head of the bicep tendon from the bicep labral anchor with amputated appearance. Something to slice that thing in two and up in her body there. And superior labrum at the biceps labral anchor. That's the radiology report uh, from 2011. Believe me, I, d I did feel amputated. I had a sensation of my arm being detached from my body, but that was before you laid hands on me. And when I laid hands on her, she said, I began to shake and stopped and the Holy Ghost uh, operation was complete. And she says, uh, <clears throat> I went back to the doctor and told him about it. He was not open to hearing that I was healed by Jesus' wounds. So I left there and never looked back. Thank you for being obedient to the call and ministering healing under the anointing. That's quite a lady. Yeah. I think this is her husband's testimony. He had, uh, what do you call it, hardening of the arteries. <clears throat> and I had a word of knowledge. I never forget it. I was in Texas. I stood up and I said, somebody's here, something's wrong with your heart. Nobody responded. I said, okay, I'm going to say that again. Maybe I didn't say what I thought I said. Somebody's here and you have problems with your heart. I don't know what if the valve doesn't work right or what. I don't know. You just got some, you were in trouble with your heart. Nobody came. <laughs> I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to sit down and nobody comes. No, you're not. You're going to figure it out. <laughs> well, thanks. Amen. So you want to be a faith person? Here we go. I said, okay, I'm going to say this. Hopefully not the last time. Somebody's going to wake up out there. If you're on meds that make you dizzy, let me know. Maybe you hadn't heard me. Somebody has a severe heart problem. And it's the, it's the guy that came up to catch people when the line lined up. And he's over here about 12 feet from me. But he's just like a soldier. He's just real stiff and rigid looking. And he's listening to me, but he's not responding. So he says, you know, Dr. Jacobs, I think that might be me. I said, what are you waiting on? Get over here. <laughs> uh, I was the only one that responded and God healed me. I had a mark myocardial infarction in the late 70s, my early 20s. And I think he'd had it all his life. He was 52 when this miracle occurred. Uh, four calcified lesions, a mean of 142. And unless you're a nurse, you don't have, know what I'm saying. I'll just skip it. How about that? Two years later, 2004, I noticed frequent tightness and discomfort in my chest for several months. I figured the ar arteriosclerosis. I think that's a pretty good job of saying that word. I... <laughs> I didn't practice it before I came either. Don't ask me to say it again. He's got in parentheses hardening of the arteries. Had worsened since it is a progressive disease and gets worse with aging. So he's had it since he's 21, he told me, and he's 52 or 53 when this miracle took place. And it doesn't go away once you have it. And I prayed for him. He said, be, I said, be healed in Jesus' name. He laid his hands on me, and I remember feeling jolts of energy hit me in waves and slowly falling backwards to the floor under God's power. Two weeks later, I went ahead with the EBCT scan. That's for your heart, I think. Uh, and in May 2005, the result was zero calcified lesions. He had a big amount of them, which blocks your, you know, when you have hardening arteries, your blood doesn't work right in your body anymore. It, has, it restricted it because of the arteries and stuff. And... Uh, so now I'm in the zero percentile. He said when he first started up here, I don't know if I missed it, he was in the top 5% of having a heart attack or stroke because he had it for 30 years roughly and it progressively gotten worse. Then she, he, so he gets his test done. I called the technician after I got the results who took the scan and she said the doctor and her had reviewed the old scan from 2002 and the current one and now the calcified lesions are gone. I asked her how often does this happen to patients like me who had four lesions in an artery to go to zero. She responded, never. Amen. So these are heart doctors. They read all the journals from around the world from heart specialists. And God just gave him a rotor-rooter job in his, in his veins or arteries, whatever is which, I don't know. Okay. And then I didn't tell you this one. This lady's 80 years old. 
She's older than it now. This was given to me in 217. So if she's still around, that'd be about uh, mm, 686 now. But anyway, she was in Pastor Dennis's church, and she I talk, talked to people about the spirit of infirmity because the Lord visited me and talked to me about it several years ago. And I said, it doesn't have to be your spine. It just means you get sick all the time. You get sick with this and sick with that, and that clears up, and then you get this, and then you get that, and it never stops. That's a spirit of infirmity the devil puts on you. And I could pray for you and get you delivered, and she got in the prayer line I prayed for, and she got delivered. She said, uh, I received deliverance and healing when Dr. Jacobs laid his hands on me and cast out the spirit of infirmity. Glory to God. This happened on Tuesday morning, July 20th, 217, at Church on the Rock in Georgetown, Texas, and she's 80 years old. Think about that. That elderly person, no, no, you know, whatever, just had never known that. And she was either sick or stuff went on in her life constantly to irritate her. <laughs> all right, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm putting them all together and putting them back. Is that okay? I was not a bad teaching for just off the cuff, kind of just reading that thing about personal angels. I didn't feel like I had a confident time to read that last night, uh, you know, to talk about it more, so I just let it go. But I think it's important. Listen, there's no, there are people that have to be leaders because that's just the way God made us. We have to have somebody lead, but we're not more important than anybody else. Everything that God could do for one person, he'll do for the other person if you meet the requirements. So what I'd like you to do for me, the ushers will take care of the pulpit and this, and I would like you to stand up and come up forward if you would like for whatever it is you might need. If you just need a refreshing, I believe you'll get it. And maybe uh, Tyron, would you come play the piano for me and, and sing something for us? Or you want the team to come, they can come too, or whatever you want. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.